Genesis chapter 14, are you there? Let's start with verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Somebody say God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High. Say it again, please. God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And, he, and blessed be God Most High. One more time with me. God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave the king a tithe of everything. Lord, speak to our hearts today. I ask that you reveal yourself and this aspect of who you are so that we know you better. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue today in our series entitled, Hello, My Name is God. Today, God introduces himself to us as El Elyon. Say El Elyon. El Elyon. And this translates God Most High or the Most High God. This name is used more than 238 times in the Old Testament. And each time that it is used, it testifies to the supremacy of God. Think of it like this. God is the highest. He is above all other gods, little g. He has absolute power, absolute authority over every created thing. Think of El Elyon like this. Everything is under his care. Everything is under his rule. Nothing is above him. Nothing is beside him. Nothing is over him. Nothing is, everything is under him actually. He is God, high and exalted, the most high God. No one will ever rule over our God. Nothing will ever take the place of our God. Do I have anybody here today that believes in El Elyon? When used throughout Scripture, El Elyon is used in the context of Gentiles. It's used with Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, and Daniel. El Elyon, the Most High God. The Most High God is introduced as the God that is supreme over all other contenders. The God that is supreme over all other, let me say it like this, pretenders. Because there's a lot of gods, little g, out there that are pretenders. There are a lot of gods, little g, out there that are contenders. Let me just make this clear for you. I'm actually not suggesting for one moment that there even is any other god. I know and you know that there is only one god. He is high and exalted. He is almighty. He's eternal. He's the creator. He's El Elyon, supreme above everything. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I sing of. That's the God that I preach to you of today. However, there are many around the world who believe in a plethora of other gods. And they fight hard to exalt their God above our God. The 
only God, the true living God, the most high God, El Elyon. You don't even need to get in an airplane or get into a train to understand and travel the globe to understand what I'm saying to you. You can simply just travel the serial state and you will see and understand this clearly. Did you know we had a serial state, by the way? That's what I call it. Anybody know where the serial state is in, in our United States of America? You're living in it. Well, that's what I call it. I call it the serial state because it's filled with flakes, nuts, and fruits. And I love this state. California has now become my state. It has, it has taken the place of Indiana as my state. And I still embrace and love my heritage and all. But I'm, I'm in my state right now. I'm in California, and I love this state that I live in. But you've got to admit with me, there's some flakes in California. There's some nuts in California. There's some fruits in California. So I kind of call it the cereal state. Think about it. They believe in anything. They believe in everything. They believe in nothing. So you, you've got to have your Bible open today, by the way. There's so much scripture that I'm going to give you and that we're going to look at, I can't put it all up on the screen. You're going to have to actually get your knife and fork and spoon out yourself and feed yourself a little bit today. Right, Robert? I love it. He's got pen and paper in hand. I was flying like a, a maniac this morning, and people were like, slow down, I can't keep notes. I'm so sorry. There's so much here that I want to impart to you. Back up a little bit. Back up. Let's go to chapter 13. And you'll understand the context in which this, this El Elyon introduces himself here in 14. So let's go back to 13. We'll start with verse 5. Lot is in the, in the scene, in the picture here, part of the story. Lot, which is Abraham's brother, but before Abraham became Abraham, Abraham was Abram. Okay, here we go. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they couldn't dwell together. And because of this, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, wanting the best pasture, wanting the good grass. The Canaanites and the Perizzites also dwelt in the land, complicating matters, adding to the strife and the problem. Verse 8, so Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please, I like how polite he was here, you know. Please, he says again, separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. So Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. That was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the Garden of the Lord, the, the Garden of Eden. It was like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. It was picture perfect in Lot's mind and in Lot's eye. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot 
journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Watch this in verse 13. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly, somebody say exceedingly. The men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful before God. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Now lift your eyes. Look from the place where you're standing now. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, and look to the west. Oh, it's about to get good in here today. For all the land, hallelujah, which, I, which you see, I will give to you, and I'm going to give it to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if a man could actually number the dust of the earth, so your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, through its width, and this is what I'm giving to you. Woo! How many would like God to say something like that to you? Everywhere you look, everywhere your foot steps, I'm giving that to you and to your children, to your descendants. Wow. So they part ways. There's actually a battle that arises kings against other kings and in the midst of this Lot is taken captive and held as a prisoner Lot and his family let's pick it up at Genesis 14 and verse 13 turn with me now Genesis 14 13 will resume this story then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew for he dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre the Amorite brother of Eskel the brother of Anner and these, by the way, were allies or friends with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them, pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus, and they succeeded, by the way. So in verse 16, he brought back all the goods, brought back his brother Lot and all his goods, and brought back all the women and all the children and all the people. The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, which is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Ketaloamer, how'd you like a name like that? wonder what his middle name was. Can you imagine his mother calling out to him? Ketta Lomer, Eugene, get in here and feed the goats. I don't know. He defeated him anyway. And the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, here we go back to the text. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of, of El Elyon, the God Most High. And he blessed Abram. And he said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High possessor of heaven and earth he and blessed be El Elyon uh, blessed be the God most high he has delivered your enemies into your hands and so watch this Abram gave King Melchizedek a tithe of everything now the king of Sodom pulls Abram aside 
devising some plot and some scheme and some divisive uh, uh, plan. Give me all the people, he says to him, and you take all the goods for yourself. But Abram says to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to El Elyon, the Lord God Most High, who is the possessor of heaven and earth. And I will take nothing from a thread even to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say it is me that has blessed Abram and made him rich. Let me give you a quick overview of this and tell you what we're talking about here and why God introduces himself in this day and on this day today as El Elyon, the Most High God. Abram and Lot arrive to the land that God promised them. They arrive at Canaan. But in their travels, they have accumulated a thing or two or three or four, and they've got so much stuff that their stuff is causing strife and division. And so they can't even live together. They can't remain together because there's just too much stuff. I don't have time to lean into this like I really want to and like I thought I would. But just let it be said that watch out how much stuff you accumulate. Because sometimes the stuff in your life will rise up and, and create strife and other people can't even come and live with you. Mm-hmm. God guided Abram, and Abram, under God's direction, unfolds this plan to Lot. He says, Lot, I want you to look around, and I want you to decide. I'm going to let you pick. Choose a plot of land, and whatever you choose, if you choose over here to the left, I'll go to the right. If you choose to the right, I'll go to the left. Whatever you choose, I'll go the other way. What does Lot do? Lot looks with his physical eyes. Lot consults his flesh and what he thinks is best for him. Lot is selfish in his decision-making here. He consults his flesh, he chooses the most fertile land and the one that offered the most worldly pleasure, by the way. Be careful what your eyes see and what you think is the best plan. It may be that when you really get into the heart of the matter, and he got into the heart of the city, he understood things were not like he thought. Abram, however, consulted God. He was a godly man, he was a praying man, and he consulted God, and he trusted God, and because he consulted God and trusted God, he obeyed God's instruction. Lot chose according to his flesh what appeared to be best, Without any regard to God, he chose by sight and not by faith. Be careful, church. We too, because we are humans, will be prone to choose by what we see and what we feel. But God has called us to walk by faith and to live by faith, and so we must make decisions by faith. Too many make decisions based on a salary increase based on a more promising job, based on a better part of the country in which to live, a good or better opportunity for me never consulting God. Then we wonder why things didn't turn out the way we'd planned, the way we saw, the way we hoped. Maybe it's because we stepped out of God's will and decided to trust in our own assessment of things, choosing according to the flesh instead of trusting God's plan 
for our lives. How many believe that God has a plan for you? How many believe that God's plan is better than your plan? I was afraid. Well, afraid. I was scared to death, terrified, when I felt God possibly even, just the slightest hint, wasn't even a fully developed plan that I saw. When I felt God and, 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 and sensed God maybe opening a door for us to move to California, scared to death. That was like going to a foreign country. After all, it's full of cereal. And you know, actually, there was a couple of options before me. And I feel like God let me choose, to tell you the truth. Now, God used my choice and, 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 and shaped me and molded me. I, I, I chose, I felt like I chose to go to Chicago. It was much closer to my family, which I, 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 I just, I wanted, I wanted to have, uh, you know, closeness with them. We're a close family. There's lots of other reasons, but I, I, I learned a lot, and it was a very, di very difficult season of my life. Again, God trained me. I felt like it was boot camp, and, and I'm thankful for it. But I felt like, looking back, the other choice was La Palma Christian Center. And I chose Chicago. And that door closed a year later. And I longed, I had actually picked up the phone probably half a dozen times in that year span that I was in Chicago. And I dialed all but the last number about three of those times, wanting to call and talk to La Palma Christian Center and see if, hey, could you, could you bring me in? I, I think I made a mistake here. Finally, when the year was over, I did call. And I talked to the former pastor, Pastor Daryl Yarbrough. And I said, this is crazy, I know, but do you still need any help over there in music or anything for that matter? And Floyd, I remember he told me, he said, Steve, I've, I've, I've talked to so many people and I've looked at so many resumes and nobody fits La Palma. And it was just within two weeks that I packed up all of my belongings and all of my family. We loaded up the truck and we moved to Beverly, as it were. <laughs> God had a plan that I didn't see, and he wanted me to trust him. Never make a decision based on what you see. Make your decision based on what God sees. <laughs> because he's L.L. Young. He's high and exalted. He's the most high God. He's above everything. And so he can see our future because he's holding our future. He can see our future because he's already created our future. I would rather trust in God's plan than my plan. After Abram and Lot split up, there was war between two different sets of kings, as I said a moment ago. In the midst of the battle, Lot is taken captive, he and his family, and they're held as prisoners. 
Abram learns of this and he says, not with my brother, not with my blood. And so he gets involved and he takes 318 already trained servants ready for battle. And he goes to Ketelomer and defeats him. He brings back Lot. He brings back Lot's family and he brings back all of the goods. Upon his return, the king of Sodom, who, by the way, is the king that ran from the battle, he approaches Abram and he wants to strike a deal. He asks Abram, give me all the people and you keep all the goods. No gratitude here, no humility here, just deceit and demands. The king of Sodom wanted a compromise in order to retain his status as king and successful, saving face. But he was unwilling to submit himself to Abram's God, El Elyon. The other king, however, the king of Salem, Melchizedek, who was a priest also, very rare in this day. He comes in a different fashion. He comes in humility. He was grateful that God had led someone else who followed El Elyon believed in El Elyon. He served Abram. Look at verse number 18 of chapter 14. He brought out bread and wine. And he blessed him. Verse 19. Abram in turn blesses King Melchizedek back by giving him a tithe of everything. Here's a great, great lesson for us right here. The lesson of giving. The lesson of blessing others and blessing God and how that comes back to us. Interestingly, the writer of Hebrews draws back to this passage of Scripture and he, he likens Jesus to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, it translates king of righteousness. And king of Salem, he's also known as the king of Salem, king of Salem, it translates the king of peace. No wonder then, because both Jesus and Melchizedek were priests and kings, both operating with grace, both operating full of compassion, both worthy to receive a tithe of gratitude. Get your pen and paper out. I want you to jot down just a few lessons that we learned today from El Elyon. Number one, compromise always breeds contempt. Compromise no matter what it is, on what level it is, mark it down, write it down, remember this today, compromise always breeds contempt. You see, Lot compromised in his decision-making, didn't he? He allowed his flesh to lead him rather than El Elyon, the Most High God. He chose his own way, and God gave him the highway. <laughs> you see, God will not handpick us and snatch us out of what we decide to do and how we decide to live. God will actually let us live there. And learn the lessons that he wants us to avoid, actually, if we'll trust in him. He chose what looked good to him rather than what looked good to God. 
And that's where many people live today. Many believers live in what I call the land of compromise. We try to negotiate with God. We try to justify how we're going to live and compromise our way of living, wanting our own way, not believing, not trusting that God's way is actually best. It's lukewarm. It's one foot in the world. It's one foot in the kingdom. And this church is not how God has called us to live. Is anybody out there today? I love how the message version reads of John, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John 2, look at this, 15 through 17. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world Wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to, to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. Look at this. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. How many want to do what God wants you to do? Amen. Let go of the things of the world. Just let it go. Let it go. Number two, walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. This is what Abram did. Lot chose by sight, as we've already said. Abram's just sitting back, waiting on God and walking according to faith trusting in God. You see, at the, at the appropriate time, God's going to actually let you see some things too. If you're walking by faith and not by your own physical sight, then when God does show you some things, you're seeing with spirit eyes, spirit sight. Look at this in verse number 14 of chapter 13. God said to Abram, after Lot left, after they had separated, he said to Abram, now open up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look now from the place where you're standing. Look all around you, north, south, east, and west. For the land which you see, somebody say see. The land that now I'm letting you see, I'm giving it to you and to your descendants forever. He goes on to talk about his descendants being as the dust of the earth and if the dust could be numbered that's how many your descendants will be powerful as Abram walked by faith and made decisions by faith God blessed him beyond what he would ever have even thought let alone what he would have seen Hebrews 11 1 tells us now faith is the sub substance of things hoped for it is the evidence of what things not seen Number three, oh, I like this. Bring it up. God is faithful even when we're faithless. God is faithful, church, even when we're faithless. I'm about to confess to you today that I'm not always full of faith. Let me take the confession a little deeper. There are some days that my faith is at zero. Trying to do better, but I'm just being real with you today. 
There are just some days that I blow it so hard. I fail so miserably. I strive to be a man of faith. I, I think God, that's what he wants. He's called me to be a man of faith. Sometimes it's hard. And I'm just out of faith. My faith is gone. I've been beat up. I don't know. But I found I'm not the only one. That Sometimes the faith drains. Sometimes our faith is zero. But God is faithful. You see, Lot made, made major mistakes, probably the biggest mistake of his life in this decision right here. And it affected his entire family. Watch this. Your decision-making doesn't just affect you. It never does. It never will. Every decision you make is attached to someone else. Every decision that you make, somebody else has to come along for the ride, like it or lump it. So it's imperative that we're choosing properly. We decide godly. Lot's compromising choices caused him to be taken captive. This is, by the way, sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. He sowed selfishly, and he reaped corruption. But God remained faithful and was ready to rescue Lot and retrieve him and his family. Can you imagine how gracious God is? And I love this scripture in Timothy. First, uh, 2 Timothy 2.13. Could you bring that up for me, please? 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains Oh, I'll just give somebody about 10 seconds right there that is really glad about that to thank God for it. Come on, thank Him that even when you have no faith, even when your faith is depleted, even when your faith is gone, God is still faithful. Number four, always be prepared to fight for what's right. <laughs> Leave it up, let it hang for just a moment longer. I want everybody to get these notes. Always... Be prepared to fight for what's right. Everybody caught up with notes? Am I going too fast? All right. I'll gladly email you this sermon. You can have every bit of it. You can have every bit of it. You tell me if you want the notes here. I'll give, it, I'll give you all of it. Abraham, when you think of Abraham, which it's Abram throughout this portion, but ultimately he becomes Abraham. What do you think of Abraham? First thing. That's exactly right. I think of Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father. You might as well just do this with me. I am one of them, and so are you. Come on. So let's just praise the Lord right on. Abram later becomes Abraham, the father of many nations, yes. I think maybe of Abram and Abraham being uh, a great, great businessman. He had uh, accumulated great wealth in his life, had great herds and, and lots of livestock. Good businessman, good business sense. He was a herdsman. But how about this? Abraham the warrior. Abram the warrior. He was. He was ready to fight for what was right. Now when Abram heard, look at verse number 14. When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he said, that's it. He armed, he armed his 318 already trained servants 
who were born in his own house and they went to pursue as far as Dan and, and, and they won. They succeeded. They brought back Lot, all the goods, all the people, everything. You see, Abram was ready at a moment's notice to fight for what was right. I've got a question for you today. Does God know that you're ready? Can God count on you to fight for what is right? Or is he going looking for somebody else? I want when God is looking for a soldier, when God is looking for a fighter, when God is looking for somebody to fight in the army, I want him to look at me and say, I know I can count on him. I know I can count on her. I know I can count on that church. We got to be ready to fight for what is right at a moment's notice. 2 Timothy 4, 2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and with all teaching. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Are you ready to fight for what is right? Number five. I got seven. Hang with me here, folks. You need this. You need this. And we took the time to see young people filled and, and baptized with the Holy Spirit. We took the time to see men and women in our church who have not received their prayer language. Hang with me right here. The restaurants will be waiting for you. In fact, they'll be cleared out just a little bit. I'm doing you a favor by holding you past 12. Number five, bring it up. Align yourself. You've got to get this. This may be one of the most powerful points that I'm giving you. Align yourself with those who align themselves with God. Melchizedek was a priest of El Elyon. He knew God and he loved God and Abram was no fool. Abram aligned himself with a king who was aligned with the king of kings. Hallelujah. He connected himself with the king of righteousness instead of the king of corruption. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. This is a big problem in the church today. Believers in Christ, followers of Christ, hanging with the wrong crowd, thinking that maybe I'll rub off on them, and maybe you will, but if you're going to be in the world, you're not to be of the world. You should be in the world with purpose and strategy. It is to make a difference. And if we don't have that strategy in our minds and that purpose and that forethought, we will just blend in with the world and the residue of the world is going to rub up off on us. And we end up aligning ourselves with ungodly people, unrighteous people, and their influence starts affecting us instead of our godly influence affecting them and making a difference in their lives. We're listening to the wrong voices, and so we're making the wrong choices. Don't align yourself with the wrong people. Align yourself with godly people. Get up under somebody that's going to kick you in the backside if you get off track and tell you in godly love, don't do that anymore. Am I telling the truth, AJ? You probably had my size 10 on your backside before. I know this boy has right here. I'm, I don't apologize for it. I care too much for you to watch you fall off in a ditch and die there and rot there. There's too much potential in you, Joe Johnson. 
And if I have anything to say about it, if I have anything to do about it, I'm going to help you. You've asked me to mentor you. You've asked to come in close to me. And I refuse to let you align yourself with the wrong people, listening to the wrong voices, and making the wrong choices. It's time, church, that we align ourselves with godly people that believe in El El Yon, the Most High God, the one who is supreme above all others. Number six, I didn't even get to five and six in the first service. You're getting bonus today. Number six, a grateful heart is always revealed by a giving spirit. A grateful heart is always revealed by a giving spirit. I'm moving on, but let it hang there. Let him write this down. You see, Abram, he was grateful. And it didn't just come from his mouth. Oh, I'm grateful. A lot of people say things that they don't mean. Your words are one thing. Your actions are another. A truly grateful heart is going to be revealed by a generous spirit, a giving spirit. Abram was truly grateful for what Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, had done in blessing him. The king of righteousness, our king of righteousness, has blessed us beyond measure. How many are grateful for that today? Prove it. Oh, I don't have time. I, I don't have time. Uh, it's, it's simple. Your amen is one thing. Your nod is one thing. You've got to prove it. And I'm not even saying prove it to me. You will prove your gratitude to God, the only one that really matters, by your tithe. Your 10% in giving of your treasure, your talent, and your time. Come on, church. If you believe I'm preaching some good stuff here today, let me know. I'm just telling you right now. Your gratitude is going to be shown by giving to God. Where your treasure is, Matthew 6, 24. That's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. Number seven. Can you believe I did seven points today? Never take what rightfully belongs to God. The king of Sodom, corrupt, wicked. He's pulling Abram aside and says, let's cut a little deal here. I'll tell you what. You, 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 keep, all the, you keep all the goods and I'll keep the people. Abram says, listen, my hand before God, basically swearing before God, vowing before God, promising before God, I, I won't take a thread. I won't even take a sandal strap. I'll take nothing. Abram refused to compromise with both his earthly possessions and most importantly, Pastor Moses come. He refused to compromise with the glory of God. King of Sodom says, you know, I can save face and I'll still look good and I can make you look good. Uh. Yes, Lord. He refused to compromise with his earthly possessions. He refused to compromise with the glory of God. He immediately deflects it and says, no, as my hand to God, my hand to El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth, my hand to the most high God. I, 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 won't, I won't compromise. 
It is God who saw as Lot and I were discussing and choosing and actually Lot choosing, God saw way back here because he's high and exalted. And it, it is God that helped me to defeat the enemy. God gave him the plan for the battle. God gave him the wisdom to unfold what should be done. El Elyon. The enemy comes to us, tempting us to share God's glory. He even did this with Jesus. He said, look out, when Jesus was tempted 40 days in the wilderness, if you'll bow to me, trying to exalt the glory, give, give glory where it didn't, didn't belong. If there's anything good in our lives, it's because of El El Young, the Most High God who is supreme above everything and, and over everything. The possessor, the owner of heaven and earth. Today, I believe the challenge is, do you trust in El El Young? And his plan for your life or are you going to take matters into your own hand and choose according to what you see and what you feel what may look best to you I want you to bow your heads and ponder that for a moment if you're here today and you would say pastor I I feel that I have maybe even inadvertently, but I have been making decisions based more on what I see, what I sense, what I feel. And today I want to trust more fully in El Elyon, the most high God who holds my future and sees my future. If that's you, slip your hand up and put it right back down. Hands lifted all over this congregation. Yes, 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 yes. Father, it's just our propensity. It is our human nature. We react this way based on what we see, what we feel, what looks best. But help us not to decide on what we see, but help us, God, to decide according to what you see. Because you see all. And so we trust in you today trust in you for these men and women who have raised their hand courageously today I pray God that you would help them help them to walk by faith and not by sight and we give you all the glory God and all the honor and all the praise come on stand to your feet as Pastor Moses leads us in this chorus just one more time he is high and exalted yes he is high and exalted and unworthy of praise with our hearts we will love and adore he is high, he is high and exalted and unworthy of praise holy is sing it one more time he is high and exalted 
Father, we thank you that we're able to come into this house and learn more of you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to keep us aware that you are in control. Keep our eyes on you, our hearts on you, our minds on you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to guide us, guide us as a people, guide us as a church to do your will. Take us now to our homes, to our families, Lord. Bring us back on the occasion that we meet. We bless you in your precious holy name. Amen.